everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Braille Institute. This is the telephone lecture series that we provide for parents of children with low vision. And tonight, we're going to be talking about toys that are very helpful for children to stimulate the development of their vision. We also have some very, very special guests and very special friends of mine. First, we have Dr. Diane Christian, and she is the co-director of Partners for Pediatric Vision. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you for having me, Dr. Bill. Yes, we really appreciate all that you do. And uh, can you tell everybody what is Partners for Pediatric Vision? Partners for Pediatric Vision is a nonprofit organization that helps um, families that have a child with a visual impairment. And um, we can help with ideas for school or play or intervention, um, help um, families get connected to an optometrist or an ophthalmologist if needed. Um, again, we're a nonprofit and all of our services are free of charge. Wow, so we can just help neat. the family. I'm just going to say, we can just help the family however um, they need help. That is great. Well, you know, there's so many questions that parents will often have. You know, I, I don't ever remember in all the years I've been practice of a parent saying, yeah, we were expecting this baby to have a vision problem. And also, most people don't know other people who have a vision problem. So you really don't know what you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. And so it's great that you guys are available and you said that there's no charge for your services? There's no charge whatsoever for our services, yes. That's correct. Wow. Wow, so, that is amazing. We, our next speaker is, this, this, this man is my hero. I really mean it. Oh. And we have known each other for many, many years. I, first, I think that I first met him when he was actually a patient of ours at the Center for the Partially Sighted, but later it came to be that he is the man who really helped me to overcome my diagnosis of losing my sight. And this is no other than Mr. Keith Christian, who is a teacher for the visually impaired in Anaheim. Uh, welcome to the show, Keith. Well, thank you, Dr. Bill. It's a pleasure to be here and, and uh, glad, just glad to be here and, and be with you today. You know? And I still owe you. Every time I see you, I'm going to tell you, I owe you, I owe you, I owe you, because I was in such a state of depression, and I didn't want to leave my home, and I didn't think I would be able to do anything. And when I went to your classroom on that open house and saw how you were doing everything, I said, this guy could do everything, and he's got worse vision than I do. How is he doing this? It gave me some hope that hey, maybe I could learn to do these things, and uh, you're absolutely right. All those things you taught me has really helped me to move forward. So thank you very much again, Keith. And look at you now. <laughs> you're absolutely welcome. It was a pleasure to be there for you. Well, I, I'm going to have to take you out for a sushi dinner if you like sushi. Do you like I'm, sushi? I do, and tacos. I, I like both. You, and you're taking us to both great places. So, yeah, we'd love, we'd love oh. that. 
Oh, well, you know, I just heard on the radio, and we'll get to our topic at hand, but I heard about the passing of uh, Morton, and he's the one who founded oh, a place Morton. called the Pink Taco? Yes, yeah. Yeah, the grandson of uh, the guy who uh, founded Morton's Steakhouse, yeah. Yes. yes. I had never heard of the Pink Taco, and they were talking about this place as though it's the, got the greatest tacos in all of L.A. That's what they say. Yeah, I haven't been there myself, but Oh, we both missed out. Well, maybe we'll have to see if they're still serving tacos, even though he's not there. And hey, you know what? Let's see. Diane, are you back? I think so. Is this better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's really good. That's very, very good. Okay. Excellent. Well, well tonight uh, we're going to talk about toys. And being that this is the holiday season and people like to share gifts and other things, uh, this is really a great time to think of very, very creative gifts that you can purchase for children, especially children with low vision. You know, one of the things that many people don't know and I know I didn't know it until I was in eye doctor school, but children who are perfectly healthy do not have normal vision when they are born. In other words, when a newborn child comes into the world, they really don't see your face real clearly, and they can't see things that are too far away. And it is because of stimulation from looking at mom and dad's face or looking at black and white toys or other colorful objects that the eye sends electrical signals to the visual parts of the brain and the visual parts of the brain then grow. And as these cells in the visual part of the brain grow, the child develops better vision. The child is able to see details more clearly. They're able then to focus their eyes at different distances. And usually by about three months of age, they develop enough color vision so that they could discriminate blue, red, and green. And as the child gets a bit older, the child learns to move the eye muscles and to coordinate both eyes together so that both eyes are pointing at the same object. And so by six months, the baby now has depth perception. So it is through this type of stimulation and looking at toys and people and other objects that allows vision to develop. Now, if a child does not receive this type of visual stimulation, we then wonder what happens. And there has been studies on this where children with perfectly healthy eyes, they actually blindfolded them. And what they found was that those children who had their eyes blindfolded, they did not develop normal vision. And the reason for that is because the visual parts of the brain never receive that kind of electrical stimulation. But even though that these babies, 
at the age of six months had very, very poor vision, they found that if they unpatched the child so that the eyes could see these toys and faces, colors and other objects, they found that these babies' vision did improve, and it actually improved to normal. So what does this really mean? What this means is that if we have a child who has low vision, maybe it's a child who suffered from a head injury or brain hemorrhage, and this caused cortical vision impairment. Or maybe it's a child who was born prematurely and has retinopathy of prematurity. Whatever is the eye condition, these kids need to have toys that will stimulate their vision even more importantly than the children who have healthy and normal eyes. If we do not provide these kids with this type of stimulation, those brain cells will not grow and develop. And we do know for one thing, the first five years, the first five years is really a very, very important time that we try and stimulate those cells of the brain. And we also know from research that we could continue we could continue to stimulate these cells of the brain all the way up until a child is an adult and we could still develop higher levels of vision. So in other words, the use of toys is very, very important. And even if we didn't do it properly during the first three months of life or the first three years of life, we could continue to provide this type of visual stimulation and we could improve a child's level of vision. So the first thing that I just want to talk about is I want to remind all of you out there that toys are not necessarily what you think are toys. I know when I was a kid, I used to think that toys were everything that you could find at Toys R Us, and that's what a toy is. But, you know, in reality, when it comes down to children with low vision, the toys that they sell at Target and Walmart and Toys R Us, a lot of those types of toys are really not interesting to a child with low vision. Some of these toys do not have the brightness of the colors. Some of them have the wrong colors. Many of them don't have enough contrast. So we could actually create toys that are going to be better than what you could buy at the Toys R Us and these other stores. And the way that you make these particular types of toys, you might find a whole bunch of things at home that do have high contrast. You know, babies love to look at black and white. Right at birth, black and white is what they see the easiest. If we have bold stripes, maybe as thick as one inch, that is going to be a width that they're able to see. 
So we could actually make patterns of stripes, black and white, black and white, black and white. And we could photocopy those pieces of paper that we make that way so we could put them all over the place. And these patterns will actually stimulate the brain. We also could make similar types of patterns. Maybe we're going to use red and white. And we're going to draw a large, one large circle on a piece of paper. And it's going to be about one inch thick. But with this red and white circle, and we put these in different parts of the child's room or the home, or we put them on the wall, wherever we do with them, this is going to stimulate that part of the brain so the brain could then learn to understand what is the color red and what is the shape, something that looks round like that. And you could be very, very creative even when you see other types of toys and things that you might already have, but maybe by using paint, you could paint the edges of it so that it's going to be bolder or more colorful. Maybe you're going to paint each edge of a box and one side will be blue, the other's going to be red, the other's going to be green, the other's going to be white. But now it looks very interesting and the child is going to be more interested in looking at it. So one of the places that I tell parents to go to is to go to the 99-cent store. And everybody says, oh, Dr. Bill, you're so cheap. But the reality is that there's so much good stuff there, and everything there is 99 cents. So, Diane, do you mind telling us what are some of those types of recommendations that you make for a child who's a newborn? Because the newborn child really has very low vision, and, you know, they don't run around yet, and they don't know how to play video games, but what are different toys that you would recommend? One um, might be, like you were saying, that um, children like red or black and um, black or white, like a red Elmo is something that's a solid-colored um, stuffed animal might be really good for the child to look at, and if you put it against a black background or a white wall and really makes it pop, the child can really definitely see it and kind of focus in on it. So things that are solid colors, like solid color stuffed animals might be a good thing for them to look at. Um, solid color balls that you can um, have them interact with would be good, like maybe a red ball or a black ball or um, just things like that. Um, simple things, um, solid colors, and then if they seem to be having a hard time looking at it or seeing it, Make sure that the, um, whatever the ball is against, you want it to make it plain. So make sure you put, like, a black um, sheet behind it or a white sheet or a white wall. So, again, so there's high uh-huh. contrast so the child can really see the object that you're trying to show them. Oh, those are some great ideas. And, yeah, I, I remember, yeah, the 99-cent stores, they have a lot of those uh, playground balls, those plastic ones of different colors and you know, for 99 cents, you can't go wrong with that, huh? <laughs> no, not at all. 
not at all. Now, what what about other types of things that they they have at those particular types of ninety nine cent stores? Uh, do you do you recommend that parents are going to look for other types of fabrics or blankets so that you know the child's sleeping area won't just be a bunch of white sheets and covers that those colorful objects with contrast? Yeah, you want things that will be contrast, uh, maybe a colored pattern pillowcases or sheets or something like that, something that will stimulate the vision would be really great. And, and then, you know, what, just... Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dr. Bill. Oh, yeah, and what what about the, the lighting? You know, sometimes some people's apartments or homes, they, they may not have a lot of lighting, and as as you know, Lighting's really important for a lot of the kids we see. Yes, lighting is very important. So you want to make sure the the room is well illuminated. Maybe it, like um, a lamp that like maybe will shine to the ceiling. So there's not a lot of glare because sometimes glare will um, work against you. But yeah, you definitely want um, good lighting in the room as well. Absolutely. Now, when it comes down to those types of lamps, I have seen some of those lamps and. Uh, they have a, a pole, and mm-hmm. the pole is probably, what, six feet tall, and then there's a lamp on the top, and it shines a light toward the ceiling. Now, do you exactly. do you recommend certain types? Because I know that some have the old-fashioned light bulbs, and others have fluorescent light bulbs, and others have the LED bulbs, uh, halogen or something. Uh, is there any strong recommendation that you would recommend? I want to defer to you on that one, but I do know that, like for Keith, um, he has, he doesn't like fluorescent bulbs, and they hurt his eyes. So I wouldn't necessarily pick a fluorescent light for him. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with personal comfort, but I defer to you. You know a little bit more about lighting than I do, so I want to let you answer that question. Thank you, Keith, why do you think it is that fluorescent lights, do you have any idea as to why the fluorescent lights hurt your eyes? I think the fluorescent lights that I'm usually encountering are above, um, like in the ceiling shining down. Um, I think it has more to do with the hue of the light, the color of the light that bothers my eyes, um, and if it's directly visible. The the lamps that you're talking about with the, with the um the light being on the top of a pole that shines up. Those are my favorite because they illuminate the ceiling. And the light, I actually don't see the physical light bulb, and the light is diffused in a way that it's most comfortable for me. I'm just really sensitive to light in general. Yeah. And, you know, that that's absolutely correct. I know that even to this day, uh, I am totally blind. I mean totally blind. If I go outside and I look right at the sun now, I don't even see it. I could feel, you know, the sensation of heat, but I don't see the sun. But when I go to certain types of uh, stores and also to classrooms, when they have those fluorescent tubes that are just exposed directly in the ceiling, Mm -hmm. it really makes my eyes ache. And those types of fluorescent tubes, like you said, many of those that the schools and stores, they buy, they buy those that emit a lot of blue light. 
And the blue light is very, very harmful for the t- tissues of the retina. So uh, it would be it would be really very helpful if they didn't use that particular type of a light. Now, uh, Keith, what about in your classroom? Because in your classroom, all of your students are students with vision impairment. Is that correct? Yes, they are. And the lighting, uh, they they did just switch it out to um, to um, uh, LED bulbs, which is, I, they um, they bother my eyes just as much. And what I've done is basically reduce the number of light bulbs that actually go on in the classroom, and, and I actually wear my sunglasses in the classroom. To be honest with you, is that right? Wait, now, now yeah. so the way that it is, you actually turned off some of the bulbs because it's like there's too much light. Well, in my classroom, there's in, in each bay where there's a where there's a pair of light bulbs. You have, I have two switches at the front of my classroom. One one switch turns on like the left bulb in each of these bays, and the other one turns on the right. I only turn on half. And then over my desk, I just over one area of, of my classroom, I actually just uh, twisted the bulbs so they don't go on. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I understand that the LED bulbs are brighter. They are a very bright light. But I also know that, you know, the the problems with the LED bulbs is that they do get very hot, right? So you don't want that type of LED bulb to be too close to uh, a student, like a baby, who might grab a hold of that lamp or something like that, right? Certainly not. Yeah, you wouldn't want them grabbing something hot like that. I didn't. I haven't noticed them. The ones that we have, anyways, they get very hot, but they're in the ceiling, so they're out. They're out of reach. But the uh, certainly the uh, what is the halogens and the uh, the incandescents, they do get very hot. We've used them for many years in our classrooms. Hey, now what what have you heard from some of your students regarding the lighting? Have they ever complained to you about how the lighting makes their eyes hurt or did they say anything that these new bulbs work better? No. Um, what I've noticed is that the kids that have light sensitivity tend to wear glasses that will um, that, that do uh, uh, transition, but a lot of them wear hats, and the hats seem to block a lot of the light. They wear them for outside, and they, they'll actually wear them inside as well sometimes. The ones that are really hypersensitive or photophobic, they yeah. wear hats. So it probably, just like you said, if if there's that direct exposure of the light right into your eye, that is probably something that's hard on the eyes, and wearing a hat or a visor could be really a good solution. It is. It's uncomfortable when you you are exposed to that bulb, like you said. It is. Well, I guess that's a a new gift we got to put on the Christmas list or the, the Hanukkah list is some of these hats and visors, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's exactly. great. Hey, now, Diane, what about some other types of gifts that you could recommend that might help, you know, still young children? Maybe that they're having a hard time finding their bottle. I remember when my kids were really young, if I had a, a bottle of water for them, you know, it was very hard for them to try to locate it visually. Uh what, what kinds of things that do you recommend 
for parents so that their kids could find their own bottle of milk or juice or water or if they're going to be eating food maybe from a bowl or a plate so that they could see the bowl or the plate because uh, I know many times people have a white tablecloth and you got white plates and a white bowl and the child doesn't see anything. They just see white. It's good to use maybe, um, contrasting things. So um, if you can find a bottle that's like the child's favorite color, that's a solid color and easy for them to find, that's great. If not, you can just use um, electrical tape or duct tape and you can mark the bottle and make it just um, easier for them to find. I know you were talking about um, children with um, cortical vision impairment. They tend to like just one colored object. And if you identify that bottle with their favorite color, with like masking or um, duct tape or something like that, it just makes it really easier for them to find. Um, you can also go to the dollar store and find um, silver, you know, like spoons and stuff like that in their favorite color. And if you put it against a black um, placemat or a white placemat or a white tablecloth, it really makes those utensils pop out. It makes it really a lot easier for them to find it so that they can um, help be themselves and, um, and wow. do that as well. So, so high contrast, um, you know, utensils, plates, forks, spoons, all that stuff can be really helpful. And then our even just regular drinking cups. And if the child knows to find, they can find things that are red pretty easily. If you mark the bottle red or if you buy things that are red, it just makes it a lot easier for the child to see. You know, that is great, too, especially when it's their favorite color. If you know that that child likes the color red the most, then you, you label the bottle, or you find a plate. Maybe the plate is going to be red. Uh, it's going to be something that is all positive, and the child will be more likely to go after it because they do like that, huh? Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I know and that for... Oh, I was going to say, and they know that their fork is always red, they're always going to be looking for the red fork, whereas if you change colors on it, they might have a harder time finding it. And so if you're consistent oh. and consistent with that color, it just makes it easier for the child to find things. Yeah, that's right. That's real good. I know that uh, we've had some kids, too. It's almost as though it's a, a reflex. Um, I remember when my daughter, my our, our first child is our daughter, and when she was born, you know, I, I was just so nervous and, you know, God, I hope this baby's okay and, you know, I hope the baby's breathing quickly and all that. But as soon as her head popped out, her eyes opened up, and she looked right at me. She was looking right at my eyes, and I go, that couldn't be. So I moved to another location, and her head turned and just followed me. And, oh, man, it was just such a moment that I'll never forget. But I just said, wow, there's something innate about vision. And, you know, that ability to make eye contact, it, it's truly a, a real form of communication. So, you know, as she got older and things like that, I just figured, oh, this kid loves faces. And at the 99-cent store, I found these plates, uh, plastic plates, and they were happy faces on them. 
So mm-hmm. when we put that down at the table and she would look at that plate and she would smile and look at it. And then later at another time we found plates that they had over there that had clowns. So I started using these types of plates to make different types of toys that she would look at and follow, and I would do all these different eye exercises with her, and it's really, really great because, you know, you get a whole stack of them for 99 cents, and, you know, you don't have to do the work. It's a great idea. Now, uh, Keith, one of the things I, I know you're really, really an expert in is with electronics and technology. And um, what are your thoughts? I know you've been working with kids for many, many years. What are your thoughts about having sound, a radio, or playing their favorite songs on for a child? Do you think that if a child has low vision that it's helpful to have noise in the background, like music? Or do you think that having the music distracts a child if they're trying to use their vision? Or what are some of your thoughts? Oh, I, I love the idea of having different sounds, whether it's just a little water fountain or even the, 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 the washing machine or just different sounds in the background, whether it's um, an iPad, TV, or radio. I think I think um, that helps. <clears throat> It, I think it helps in many ways of just depth perception, uh, learning what sound um, um, might be tied to, because sometimes you hear a vacuum cleaner, that means mom's around, you know. Sorry. But I think we tie sounds to people and sounds to dogs and things and television and... Um, I think it's like you were talking about having plates and toys with contrasting colors, and uh, those sounds draw attention, and those sounds can um, bring their attention towards objects that have color, whether it's a, you know, a toy. I'm a big fan of um, just cars, you know, wooden cars, of course, but, but just cars that, that make sound and move around and across the floor that go away from you, go towards you, go across the room, and just get your attention and make noise because sometimes color isn't enough and, and having sound will help bring attention and focus towards things that are colorful that look different that are moving. And uh, I, I think oh, they're extremely important. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I used to tell parents, you know, if you could find any of these remote control cars, they don't have to be expensive, but... They would have these battery-operated remote control mm-hmm. cars and little dune buggies, and you could, you know, mm-hmm. let them ride it inside the house on the carpet, or it could ride on the grass, and the kids would follow it with their eyes as they're trying to navigate it. Yeah, what a great idea, huh? You know? I don't know, though. Do they still make those, or is everything oh. all video games now? I don't know. No. no. Well, they certainly make them. They just seem to be getting more and more expensive and more and more high tech. But they do ha- they do have they have very cool re- robots. They even have robots that'll follow you around and ask you questions. And uh, you know, really? vacuum while they're following you around. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I robots, um what are they called? There's a number of them. Um they'll actually Wait, they, 
play with your dog while you're while king, but they do have those uh, robot vacuums <laughs> that, that roam around your house and vacuum, and then they park themselves in charge and all that. But they have robots that will um, keep your pets company or just kind of keep an eye on your house, and you can interact with them, you know, with your phone, you know, uh, through the Internet and stuff like that. But those same robots can be used for um, just, uh, I guess, um, I wouldn't say entertaining your kids, but but sure would be kind of cool to have a robot that you put that happy face paper plate on and see if your kid sees it running, going across <laughs> yeah. the room, and then you change it, you know, have it have one on each side of its head and have it do circles, you know, I mean, it, it, I think it'd be kind of fun. Oh, yeah. my gosh, that would be great. But how much yeah. are these robots? How much are these robots? Oh, I'm sure they're, they, I would assume that they're pretty expensive. However, there's nothing to keep you from using the good old-fashioned mobile that you used to put in cribs that would just turn around, you hand crank it, and you just kind of spin, and you hang them you hang them up, and you just kind of let them, uh, spit, you know, turn in their, in their uh, field of vision, you know? Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, I do remember those. We'd hang them on the crib, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even a fish tank would be cool, you know, an aquarium. Put a, put their, oh. their, uh, their, uh, their, uh, uh, um, the high chair in front of an aquarium while you feed them. The fish swimming across. I mean, it's just a natural uh, motion that that uh, doesn't require batteries, just other kinds of maintenance. But that's what we've always done: is aquariums. Wow. Hey, so for people who don't know a lot about fish or haven't had an aquarium, you know, uh, what would be some of the examples of the types of of fish that would be very visual in an aquarium and not too hard to take care of. Well, the, the easiest and the best, I would say, is a screen saver. <laughs> like on your, <laughs> on your monitor or, or on your television, which or even a fire. You know, they have those little fireplace ones, you know. But, um, but <laughs> yeah. I, I, it depends on how much you want to get into it. Freshwater is pretty easy to take care of, you know. We have angelfish that have really like a tall, I don't want to say wingspan, but from top to bottom, they have yes. really long fins. They have they have different stripe patterns. You're talking about black and white. They have, you know, lots of angels in, in what are called tinfoil barbs that they get really big, um, and, they, and when you put a cluster of three, or you put three of them together, and they're like, um, they school, and they swim oh. like uh, together, and they're like little acrobats. Yeah. And, Is that uh, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so tinfoil bars, angelfish, um, but you can also get lots of different uh, colored fish. You know, there's there's quite yeah. a variety. And if you go salt water, there's even more. But but you want you want some that will swim slow with with those big white stripes, and then you want yeah. some that will add color, which would be like your mm-hmm. tinfoil barbs or they have convicts, which are black and white stripes too, that um, oh. <laughs> provide that that would provide that that pattern that you're looking for, or, or solid color that um, create motion. Some swim fast, some swim very slow and gracefully, and uh, um, yeah, fish are great. Yeah. Now, what would you recommend? I just put in my class, <laughs> huh? What do you recommend 
that is put on the back, on the opposite side of the aquarium, so that you know you don't see the wall that's behind it. You you want it to be maybe a solid color, so it's easier to see these fish. Do you recommend that you would put a colored poster board there, or is there anything you could buy at the pet shop that would be like an aluminum foil, a colored type or something? Yeah, we, what we would do is we would actually, um, we would change it up, but what we do is take a big piece of, um, and you the, at schools you have the rolls of um, that uh, paper, it's like three foot wide, um, it, butcher it's paper. like butcher paper, yeah, it's oh. like butcher paper. Mm-hmm. And what we would do is we would just take a big sheet of it. We'd have the kids decorate it. We'd have them wad it up to create texture or depth, you know. Oh, um, uh-huh. and, yeah. And then and we would ha- we would have them. Um, we would actually um, fix like seat belts to it, things like that, and um, add different colors, like uh, like a mount. We they would kind of like paint like mountain ranges and things like that to add different uh, different like depth to it, and then we rotate it out. But but most of the times they were solid colors. It just depends on the aquarium. Some of them have painted backs, and you want to kind of go with the contrast of what the solid back is. If it's a black background, you would probably want to emphasize more fish that are um, brighter color in the rock, which would require a little more maintenance. But, um, you know, and the lighting makes a big difference, too, which, you know, there's that as well. You can do a lot with lighting. Um, ah, that's that's really a great idea, and it's it's really a great educational experience for the child, and also, you know, the responsibility of knowing hey, we got to feed these kids, got to feed these little yeah. fish, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the funniest thing, the funniest thing I can remember was um, we had a hundred gallon aquarium in my classroom. Wow, and that's the huge. Kids yeah, and we would have the kids take care of the aquarium and everything. And the kids would have to go read their stories or perform in front of the aquarium because they were an audience that wouldn't uh, critique in a way that did, that wouldn't upset them. And then the kids would the kids would say, "Wait a minute, we're on their television," and they would like act like they're being the television for the fish, you know. And uh, it, it was it was just the funniest thing the things that come out of kids mouths you know it's just the greatest yeah oh they my think gosh. they would say they think we're watching them but they're really watching us yeah, yeah yeah oh my gosh you know but it makes them think of things in a different way and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of experiences that kids or even adults experience where you start thinking from the other person's perspective, huh? Exactly, exactly. And you the know. responsibility of taking care of them. Like, you know. Yeah. I mean, they, they literally must have been thinking, you know, if I was one of those fish, I would be watching these fools out here, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yep. Oh, gosh. Hey, well, what about, what about, you know, you had mentioned, there are things such as computer screen savers or the iPad. And how have some of those types of computers or the iPads, how have they worked for your students? Do you find that a lot of your students with low vision could still use these kinds of devices? Oh, yeah. So 
so our, uh, the kids I have that are in elementary school, they're relying on them quite a bit for, um, if, if they're low vision, they're using um, applications like uh, Voice Dream Reader, but also there's an app called Epic. Um, th- these programs will allow you to download books. Uh, Epic is in full color, which is really nice. You have, you have the ability to enlarge the text. It's like looking at a CCTV of a book that's in full color, and you move your fingers around the, on the screen to see the colored pictures as well as the text. Um, wow. uh, and then you, they can tap, and they can tap on a button, and they can um, switch between reading it themselves versus having it read to them. You know, um, it, it's 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 really amazing because it puts it changes the focus from a kiddo having to learn how to put a book in front of a video magnifier and learning how to manipulate the book to read it to imagine the book is inside the, the iPad or the tablet and just moving their fingers around on it to see the whole, the whole uh, page and just tapping a little button to click to the next page. So wow. they've been indispensable. Yeah. And, and, and it's portable, right? So they could take that home oh, to finish their reading? Yes. Or... That's, that's the beauty of it, yes. Yeah, and also it's it's like in the cloud as well. So if they go home, they have a computer or another tablet at home, or even their iPhone. Well, it's kind of small for reading on an iPhone, but but other tablets at home, they will um, say their they'll bookmark their spots, or they can go in and, and, and read, continue, or pick up where they left off right at home. You know, and, it's and amazing. This, uh, this application is called Epic. You said. Yes, yes. If you go to um, getepic.com, they have um, that's the website. Then there's a uh, there are links to download it on all of the platforms from Android to iOS to the PC to the Mac. It works on all of the platforms. And really? Yeah, seamlessly. They have about fifty thousand books. There, it, it's not as many books as Bookshare, but you get full color text. And you get uh, the, the pictures are included, and the pictures make the book. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really there's a big difference between having just the text and having the book with the pictures. The kids love it; they can see it. Yeah, because I remember when I was uh, first losing vision, and I went to the library and I got an audio book. I thought, "Wow, this is good! You know, I could read the books." And and you put mm-hmm. the the the, the tape, it was a tape, and you put it into a tape player. Mm-hmm. But there were no pictures. <laughs> yeah, you have to create them. You, know, you, you really miss that, right? Because in, in a lot of books, there's photographs or illustrations or uh, diagrams and maps, and you know, you really miss that. So with Epic, you do get that other visual input. My gosh. Do you? Which, do you which I went. I, I thought one more little thing this weekend. I went to uh, I went to a movie theater to go see a, a movie, and uh, it was for kids with low vision. Uh, PPV was uh, hosting a, a, an event at the Kikorian uh, Theaters, and they have um, audio description. They did it. They did a showing of uh, Frozen Two, and all the visually impaired oh. kids had these headphones on that had these that had audio description and. What was really, really cool was the kids were watching the movie, but you could hear them 
like giggle or laugh at the stuff that was subtly being described that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise because so it was being described in the little headphones that they were wearing, which you know it's like seeing the pictures without the text. You know, it, it just made a big difference. Gosh, and and did you yeah. say that that was at the Krakorian Kirk Krakorian theaters? Yeah, the Krakorian theaters. Yeah. A lot of theaters have the headsets. A lot of theaters now have the headsets because we're required to for ADA. But um, usually if you go into a movie theater and you ask for audio described headsets, or at least ask the manager, you can usually get one. You may have to get, um, like, swap your ID for it to make sure that they get it back. But a lot of the theaters have them. And a lot of the movies that are coming out now um, have audio description. So, again, audio description is just that additional narrative that provides um, what's happening visually in the movie or in the TV show that might be missed if you're low vision or completely blind. It's a, it's phenomenal. It takes a little bit. I think for some people it takes a little bit to get used to, but um, you know it's it's a wonderful way of experiencing a movie or a TV show. Absolutely. Wow. You know what? I have I have never I have never tried that, and I really need to. As a matter of fact. Um, my son, who just loves movies, he's he's an old guy now. He's 26 years old. He and my wife and I, we went to go see the movie called The Irishman. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Robert yeah. De Niro and uh, uh, all these old-time actors and, they, 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 you know, great actors. But there was so much going on in that movie without any dialogue. Yeah, and, and that's without what, any yeah, dialogue, in the, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know who's getting beat up or who's killing who or who got shot. But then I don't want to, you know, be in the movie and say, "Hey, hey, June, who 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 got shot there?" <laughs> you know, right. you can't do right. that. But oh, that would be. But, but also, but also in the description, they'll say. Someone is opening the door. You see somebody with that red, you know, hat that was in this other scene. They bring your attention to things that the details. Oh, really? You would. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. No, you got it. You have to go to a movie where they have audio description. It makes the movie great. You'll love it. Hey, so Diane, were you saying yeah. that uh, all movie theaters have this available, or only certain uh-huh. movie theaters? They're supposed to have them. I'm not sure if the little ones do, but normally your big ones, Kirkian, um, AMC, they all should have it. And if you want to call your movie theater before you go just to verify, um, I would do that. But a lot yeah. of them, um, it's been um, mandated by ADA, yeah. Do they charge American more Disability. for a ticket for that? Is the no, ticket more uh-uh. expensive? Nope. Oh, God, that's wonderful. So the movie so the movie theater that we were at, we were at the Kokorkian in Buena Park, and they actually have 20 different headsets. And what was really great was um, that one of our dads was hard of hearing, and so he was able to have the closed captioning device. His little girl uh, had audio description, and the entire family just enjoyed going out to the movies. It was, it was, it was great. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's going to be tops on my list. I need to go see one of these movies like that. That's fantastic. Jeez. Well, you know, we 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 have about 
10 minutes left, so I want to open it up to any of our guests. And, uh, Diane, I believe that you have a list of toys that we could email to people, too. Is that right? Yeah, I do have some suggestions and stuff like that. And I just want to um, just kind of emphasize that with toys, kids are playing. And when kids are playing, they're learning. They're learning how to communicate with each oh, other. They're learning their yeah. motor skills. They're learning problem-solving skills. And toys are those tools for play. And so having your kids um, play is extremely important. And it could be something as easy as, like, um, just stacking blocks. So with stacking blocks, they they can be learning how to count them. They can learn to sort them if they're different shapes. They're learning, um, you know, they're using their motor skills in order to stack them. When they get knocked over, they learn about cause and effect and gravity and balance. And just even the simplest things kids are learning from. So please never underestimate the importance of play and tools in your child's life, even if you think that they can't see it, because they're learning so much from it. And as Dr. Bell said earlier, that if children are under um, stimulated, it affects their overall development. So we want to make sure that they're given opportunities to learn and to grow and just to learn about the world. And the other thing I kind of want, you guys had touched about um, like cars earlier, like wooden cars or um, remote mm-hmm. control cars. And with um, items such as that, children can learn about the, the world. So, for example, maybe you are talking about a lion to a child that has very poor vision and can't see a picture of a lion. If you got a toy lion and kind of have them feel it and kind of have them explore it, they get a little bit better idea about objects in the world. So when you're con- talking to them, they understand a little bit more about what you're talking about. It could be a line or a school bus or something like that. So you really can use it to help your child understand different objects that are in the world that they might not be able to see themselves. So, um, you know, and it could just be simple things, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, you know, forks, utensils and stuff like that to, you know, toys of animals so that they can learn about the world. And learn yeah, things and learn how to balance sharing with, you know. And and we also want to have um, toys that children can interact with their sighted peers or their siblings or something like that because we want them to interact with each other and to grow and to develop and to develop those relationships and to practice the social skills of taking turns and um, learning how to play with each, you know, with other kids and stuff like that because those are skills that they're going to need later in life. Yes, and that's right. with play and toys, that's where it all begins. So. Well, let's go ahead, and uh, Diane and Keith, uh, can you take some questions from uh, people in the audience? If you have a question, go ahead and unmute your phone by pressing star six. And uh, go ahead and just say your name and ask your question. Hi, Dr. Bill. What is your favorite toy to play with? <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was actually really good. <laughs> well, actually, for me, I think my favorite toy to play with is is actually I love to listen to podcasts. I love On to listen device. to these audio recordings. So you know, it keeps me busy. On what type of a device, like a your 
your Victor Stream, your iPhone, your an Amazon Echo. What? I actually use in my iPhone, but I do I do have that device that radio uh, called the Amazon Echo. Oh, and yes. I love it. I love that and thing. I, and the and kids love to play games with that as well. There are lots of games on that, and and little there kids are. can play. I, yes, there are games. There are, they call them skills, and there are games like matching. There's like a guess my, you know, all all kinds of little kid games. I haven't really played with any of them with any of my students, but um, there are lots of skills. Name that sound, instrument, you know, all kinds of really, really neat stuff. The kids just like asking it questions, you know, any kind of question. Wow. What's the capital? What's this or that, you know? Play a song, you know? And, and it really is a device that the whole family could use. I bought it because I thought that my son, who loves music, would just like it. And uh, I noticed him, everybody is using it. And you could mm-hmm. call and ask for any any song, any artist, and it finds it in probably less than three seconds. So if you like all the old Beatles music, like I wanted to listen to some of the 12-string guitar, so I said, play A Hard Day's Night from the Beatles, and it starts playing it. I mean, it, it is so great. I used to think that... Having CDs was great, but, oh, this is even better. But I'm going to have to try to learn about these games and things. Uh, does anybody else have any other questions? Yes. Yeah, Hi, please go right name, ahead. Hi, my name is Hope Lywood. Uh, my grandnephew, I do assist with my grandnephew, Noah Paul. He's um, 18 months old, and he's, um, he has a retina detachment. And so I am, I am just thinking how, um, like moving forward, how would these meetings benefit um, Noah and help us to know, like, how to... I mean, he's in therapy, he goes to school and everything, but additionally, I know it. The information cannot be too much, but I was just wondering, based on, you know, the things that I heard you said before, and of course I missed a few, so I wanted to know how um, would these meetings be beneficial uh, to Noah when he be a part of this conference call, because I noticed that you talked much about those, that, um, the children that had um, um, a visual impairment, but not um, totally blind. Yes. Now, is uh, uh, Noah? Is he totally blind right now? Yes, he's, he's, uh, he has a retina detachment, and so he doesn't see at all. And has he had any surgery to reattach the retina? Yeah, he had a surgery. I think when he was like, um, maybe let me find out from his grandmother. Um, hold on one second. I'm asking a question in the conference call. Oh, yeah. Hold on one second, doctor. Um, yeah. When did he have surgery to correct the retina detachment? Oh, he had surgery. Um, hi, I'm Antoinette Gray, Noah Paul's grandmother. Um, hi, thank you. Yeah, he had surgery when he was three months old. 
um, to straighten up the retina. And then um, when you were six months old, he had um, another surgery to remove the glaucoma. Then they told me that he had um, Nori disease. And as you know, Nori, I don't know if you know about Nori disease. Yeah. It's a, yeah, and, um, you know, it, they said he comes with hearing problem, but he doesn't have a hearing problem. His hearing is fine. But he, he's legally blind. Okay. And and is his retina ophthalmologist, is that Dr. Tawanzi or Dr. Boyer? No, Dr. No. He's a Oh man, I, I I got his name right here. Okay, Doctor Song. No, I'm gonna um I'm I'm looking at his his paperwork right now to tell you he's doctor's name. Hold on one second. Okay, well he should be seeing the ophthalmologist, and there are new treatments that are being used for kids who've had retinal detachments. Uh-huh. So that well, is something. Said, he said he couldn't straighten out the retina because the retina is crushed. Um, oh, okay. You know, he, could, that, he said he couldn't do anything about the retina. So um, now, you know, um, I asked what can, if, 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 if his eyes and anything can change better. You need, he don't give me any, any hope, but because I'm a God-believing person, I just believe in God, and I know something is going to break through yes. for him. Yeah, I trust God, but the doctor didn't give me. Oh, I'm trying to get everything together. Oh, oh. Yeah, so... Um, so is, is he receiving services from Braille Institute? Yeah, um, Elizabeth. Okay, Elizabeth, would you, would you mind calling... Doctor, calling Doctor Christian next week, and then we could go ahead and get him an appointment with maybe another retina doctor, and okay, see if he fine. would be able to treat this. Okay. And we yeah, we fine. when we evaluate him, we will tell you what types of exercises and toys that he would need. Okay. Doctor, so let's Doctor just. Miguel. Dr. Aaron Miguel. Okay. I don't know who that is. I'm sorry. Okay. But we're just going to have Elizabeth contact us, and then we'll be in communication with you. All right? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless all of you. Yes, thank you. Likewise. All right. Uh Is there another question out there? For Noah, like a for kiddos who are completely blind, textures are, you know, like they have soft things, rough things, pretty. So anything that has lots of textures or music or like a, um, a, okay. a sorting box where they put like different shapes in, different shapes. So anything that's really um, has different textures, um, has 3D objects that they can play with and put things in and being able to take things out so he can start learning concepts. Those are things that really don't. Um, he will uh, his are, can still experience and play. Those are great, great suggestions. Thank you. Uh, Dwayne Goodwin. Uh, my son is Silas Goodwin. So he is uh, two and a half. Um, about a year ago, he had a hemisphorectomy. He was uh, 
uh, having seizures, uncontrolled seizures. Mm-hmm. So they they did a hemispherectomy and detached uh, his left hemisphere from his right hemisphere. Yes. So uh-huh. he lost he lost um, his peripheral vision, uh, both eyes, and uh, much more on the left side. So pretty much right down the middle of his left. He can't see anything to the left peripheral, and then the right, it's maybe about three quarters, but he lost almost half his vision, mainly on the left side. What do you suggest that we can do to help build some of yes. and regain some of that eyesight on the left? Yes. How old is he? He's two and a half. Okay, perfect. Well, I'd like for you to make an appointment with us and so that we could okay. actually measure his peripheral vision and we will then show yes. you the kinds of activities that we would do to try to stimulate the development of the peripheral vision. He's at an age where he's young enough where that can be. Now, one of the things that often happens with kids when they have a hemispherectomy is that the alignment of his eyes it might not be straight. Have you noticed, is his eyes drifting apart? No, they're not, actually. Okay. But he does does lean a little bit. Um, Right post-op, right after surgery, he had a a head tilt that was pretty severe, but now he doesn't do it as much. So he's kind of straightening out. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but he, he goes toward his right side, mainly, where he can see the best. So he kind of okay. leans that side. Yeah. Okay. So if his eyes do begin to wander and drift apart from mm-hmm. each other outward, you know, don't be alarmed with it because that's also his way of expanding his peripheral vision by doing that. Oh, wow. Okay. But, uh, let's see. Uh, if you could contact uh, Diane, how would you like to do this to set up an appointment for his son? Um, you can call me directly, and then we can talk, and we can figure out exactly where you live and which would be the best office for you to go to. But you can call me at 714. Hold on one second. Okay, 741. 
um, I'm trying to teach him to brush his teeth, and I'll put my hand, like, full of water, and he'll pull my hand. Well, he just learned to sign more, so that was very exciting. And um, oh. I'll put my hand right in front of him, and he'll pull my hand right towards his mouth. Oh. So, yeah, we feel wow. he's not, he's seeing something, whether it's shadow yeah. or... Yeah. So, my question is, for him to... Um, he has a learning, um, he's actually late. He's, um, his, he's two years old, but he has a mind of a 10 month old. And, okay. um, we actually just yeah. gone full, full custody of him in September. Um, so we've been teaching him since September 12th to this day. He's been learning all this stuff. So he's Gee, a fast learner. Really? <laughs> yes. He's a very oh. fast learner. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. So wow. my concern is. Yeah, he learned more in that time from September till now. He learned one yeah. time. <laughs> in three months with you guys, he learned more than his whole life. Gee. Yes, yes, he has. Even eating, he wasn't able to open his mouth to nothing at all. Did not, and now he finished half a pouch the whole day. Oh, so yeah. It's, yeah, he's done. He's done amazing. So what a blessing! <laughs> he's <just lazy> as... <laughs> yes, Alba, very, what yes, is your son? What's your Elva, what's your son's name again? It's Noah. Noah, Noah Mena. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm Elsa. E-L-S-A, like Frozen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my question is, I want him to learn, like counting, and he's not yes. willing to. Um, music, he loves music. But all day we listen to all the ABCs. All to the worship songs. <laughs> oh, everything has to be music. Yes, but he's not willing to like say stack block, count numbers. Um, he, I always have to be like, you no, know, grab his hand and and do it because or else he won't do it. Okay, he just wants to like push buttons, see the lights go on, and so forth. <laughs> yeah, um, well, but I really. Mm-hmm. I think some of these things will take time, okay? Okay. You know, some of it will take time, and we would want to do activities that he gets to touch. Maybe we're going to be stacking blocks, okay, big blocks, like uh, shoe boxes, and he'll use both hands, and we might stack it one, two, three, or maybe we could find a song. I don't know something off the top of my head yet, but something that relates to that type of counting and stacking. And what yeah, we're do doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do relate every song to everything he does, whether it's counting, walking, marching, eating. <laughs> everything is a song. Um, oh, good. And after stacking them, maybe knock them over. Something that makes him laugh or smile or, or he, he knows where to stack three of them up. After we do three, then they fall over and they make a funny sound. Maybe they have something inside the boxes that make him, that he, he's interested in that would make a funny sound or something. And and that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could put okay. bells in so, there. Christmas jingle yeah. bells okay. in the box. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's one thing I wanted to decorate my tree, so I have to make a big contrast on that. <laughs> oh wow, that that is great. 
No, the fact that he's seen these things that you're talking about, that is really encouraging. So, God, okay. God bless you. That's wonderful. Jeez. Okay, thank you. So music doesn't interfere with his learning. It's motivating him, oh. correct? Or is it... It's a hook. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was like confused. I'm like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Does he have to listen to my voice only? Is he going to not listen to me later on? <laughs> Or am I going to be singing? <laughs> yeah, you're going to be singing. You're going to, you're going to be like J-Lo. <laughs> well, I, think, I think that you guys are hitting on a, a great thing because part of learning is being motivated. If you can motivate the child through music to learn, you're doing it right. Okay. Okay. I was just afraid if I was the music was just too much. <laughs> Well, you know what? Keep doing what you're doing, and if you have questions, yeah. call Diane, and then we we could have a conference call, and you know we'll we'll, we'll devise, devise all of these activities for him. Okay. Okay. Now, what was Diane's um, area code? I got the rest of the numbers, but not the area code. Was okay, it seven one four? Uh huh. And it's four five one six five one three. Okay. Okay. But we are getting a second opinion to see what he does see because they said that he's not able to see nothing completely. But uh, we're looking at different. Yeah. We'll put something on the floor and he'll just pick it up and move it. Oh, great. That's great. Yeah, so we're proving well, people wrong. <laughs> keep up the good work. Wow, what a, what okay. a lucky, lucky boy. Okay, oh, thank well. you so, so much. Thanks. I really appreciate it. It was my first time on it, so I was kind of nervous. I'm like, do I ask? Do I not ask? <laughs> oh, no, you got to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a little nervous. I'm all like, gosh, I'm on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, all of you, we want to thank all of you very much for being on the call. And if you have any questions or if there's anything that we may be able to help you with, please feel free to contact us. And we, we hope that you guys all have just a wonderful holiday season. Okay? Oh, thank you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Diane, and thank you, Keith. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Happy holidays, everybody.